Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, and it is Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. It has been the longest month in the last decade, but it's finally over. I can't believe what we've all been through this past month as a country and even a world. The days are dragging on as we're quarantined at home. And now a lot of us have to continue to hunker down for the next 30 days since they've extended the stay at home for 30 more days. And here in Ohio, we are uh, very strict on that. So, yeah, goodness gracious, I go out to the grocery store about every five to six days and take a little drive when I can for a walk out in the open air around nobody else. And that's about it. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm such a fanboy. You know this. Um, I almost missed starting the show. Because on Instagram Live, uh, Dan Levy, or Levy, whichever you want to pronounce his name, from Schitt's Creek was doing a live Instagram with, like, the entire cast of Schitt's Creek. It was freaking amazing. Ryan Reynolds was in the chat, of course, uh, who I love. And I was just fanboying out like crazy. Um, such a great Instagram live feed. They're raising money for the Canada Food Bank and for Feeding America. And it was amazing. And he's going to be back on tomorrow night at 8 o'clock when I don't have a show. Uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock Pacific time before the Shits Creek uh, show tomorrow. Uh, if you're not binging this, guys, you've got to watch Shits Creek. Greatest freaking series ever. Better than Tiger King. And we talked about Tiger King last night. But uh, it is on its last scene. I think there's only two episodes left. So I almost missed the show. Sorry about that. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in. If you guys missed last night's show, I had two great interviews that you can check out in your favorite podcast distributor. iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Whatever you guys listen to your podcast on. Uh, first, I talked singer and songwriter Brandon Stansel. He's a fantastic country music artist. He's a great new single out. He's doing a live streaming event tomorrow night, also at 8 o'clock Eastern time, which I have a ticket for. So that's going to be tough between that and uh, I'm going to have to have one on my phone and one on my computer. That's going to be crazy tomorrow night. Uh, but he's doing this part of Digital Drag Fest. Uh, you can get a $10 ticket over at Stageit.com, that's S-T-A-G-E-I-T.com forward slash digital drag fest. He's going to do a half an hour 
concert, half hour or more concert from his home tomorrow night. And Brandon is just an excellent singer and songwriter. So go listen to that interview and tune in tomorrow night for that. And then I also talked to last night our good friend, Del Shores, writer, director. He's been doing his own live streaming events from home while we've all been quarantined called uh, Sorted Bedtime Stories, where he's telling stories from uh, the different story, uh, sorted lives, films that he wrote and television show that never quite made it on the air or that people might not remember. So two great guests yesterday. Tonight, I have two more amazing interviews for you. Well, three really for you tonight in just a couple of minutes. Uh, they're both pre-taped interviews. I'm doing a lot of pre-taped interviews this year, as I've told you. This is a live open and live close every night. Uh, but I uh, did last Wednesday, I had our great friend Terry Ray on, actor and writer Terry Ray from the hit play Electricity down in Palm Springs where I stay. So many other great things. And he brought along Wednesday, guys, his very good friend who plays Mumsy, his own very mom, on My Sister is So Gay, his web series. It's in its second season, streaming right now on Amazon Prime. He brought the beautiful and talented Miss Lonnie Anderson on Wednesday. So we have a great interview with Terry and Lonnie coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Lonnie was a huge part of my life. WKRP in Cincinnati was on all through my high school years. I loved that show. And we had a great interview. So be ready for that in just a couple minutes here. I have a terrific interview with an actual medium, medium psychic. He's a paranormal investigator. He's written some amazing books about all of it. Uh, His name is Rob Gutro and had a very great time talking with him. Um, He he speaks to pet spirits and to humans. And his last book, talked about his relationship with the ghost of his husband's ex-partner. An amazing interview. We talked to him on Friday. I talked to him on Friday, so I hope you'll stay tuned for that after we talk to Terry and Lonnie. So that'll be coming on in just a couple of minutes. I do want to bring up that today is Transgender Day of Visibility. So I want to give a big shout out to all our transgender brothers and sisters out there. Um, I did note on my social media today, it's a little ironic and not unnoticed by me that uh, National Transgender Visibility Day is on a day where none of us can be visible, where we're all quarantined. And a lot of our transgender and LGBT brothers and sisters are trapped at home with either friends or either family members or roommates that may not accept them for who they are. This could be a rough time for them. So if you know anybody like that, I hope you are reaching out to them. Um, Keep them in your thoughts, checking in with them each day to make sure everything's okay. I know it's hard with a quarantine, but we have to, uh, we have to support each other out there. So national transgender day of visibility is today. Got great guests coming up. I'll talk about the end of the show today. Um, But I just, uh, want to say a big thank you again for tuning in. We're going to go ahead and play the first interview now with Terry Ray and Lonnie Anderson. Going to open it up by a song from our good friend uh, Michael Vaccaro, Child of the 70s, the theme song to his web series of the same name. Enjoy the interview. I'll be back to introduce um, our buddy Rob in just a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here at the Left of Straight Radio Network. Tell me what would you say? 
Welcome back, friends. That was Michael Vaccaro with Child of the 70s, the perfect introduction song to my next two guests. He's had a recording role in the great Michael Vaccaro web series by the same name, and she got one of her big breaks. One of my favorite sitcoms, WKRP in Cincinnati, premiered the same year that I premiered as a freshman in high school, 1978. Together, they have just released the latest episodes of their own hit web series, my Sister is So Gay on Amazon Prime, and Mumsy is still enjoying her juice, and Seth is still trying to find a little privacy with his handsome young boyfriend. So please welcome back to the show my friend, Mr. Terry Ray, and for the very first time left a straight show, the beautiful and talented Miss Lonnie Anderson. Hey, guys, how we doing? 
We're doing hey, great. Scott. We're glad to be with you. I am so Woo-hoo. excited to have you guys. Thanks for calling in. How is everything in beautiful downtown quarantine Southern California, Miss Anderson? Well, for my lovely view, I'm looking at a beautiful uh, puppy, white cloud, and blue sky, and uh, no wind, and it's just a peaceful day. Uh, you know, it's, it's deceptive because here we are in this lovely space, and you just, uh, if you don't tune into the news, you don't really have a feeling of what's happening outside. Right, the invisibility of it is just weird. Terry, how's everything going in your neck of the woods? Well, it's very, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I am by myself. I, I, the thing that I'm really craving is actually, it's, I've never gone this long without literally touching a person. It's, it's weird. Weird. It is a little you know, strange. I've heard about that. All the people that need a hug but are alone that, that aren't getting a hug. Um, we were just talking about my son, who's an EMT, and he comes, brings our groceries, and he leaves them outside on the patio, and then he visits us through the glass doors, and then we put our hands up to the glass door, and and I keep saying uh, to my husband, "Oh, I want to hug him." You know? It's yeah. Good. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want a hug. Yeah, it's it's a strange time for us all. Like we were saying up up air, I do home health care for my mom, so I am lucky to have someone in house here with me to kind of chat with and everything. But we have to be real careful because I'll go out and do the grocery shopping or whatever, and uh, have to pay real close attention when I get back home not to do anything with her. She's 81 years old, and she's knock on wood very healthy and hasn't left the house in a couple of weeks. But it's scary. Even our, our uh, Walgreens, where we get our medication from, they had to close the Walgreens and deep clean it on Monday because two of their employees came in sick. So you never know where you're going to come in contact with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. And we're FaceTiming everybody. Uh, we FaceTimed uh, with the grandchildren and uh, because, uh, you know, the kids are home from school. And, right. Um, uh, the little ones, you know, their parents are trying to keep them entertained. And my big ones are, uh, you know, home from work. They're working from home. So, um, right. It's, uh, well, it, it's, it's a crazy such a time. Whole world like, and... Oh, go ahead, Jared. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, like, Prince Charles just got coronavirus. It's just so crazy. Prince Albert from Monaco. It's just weird. Like, you know, crazy world. It's a crazy very, world very right strange. now. And, Terry, I mean, so great to have you on, but in these circumstances, I mean, I'm bummed Electricity, which is your amazing play that you wrote and stars in, along with every other entertainment venue in the world, seems to be on hold. How are you holding up? Yeah. I mean, uh, we know I'm a media media stalker and codependent on social media. You're surrounded by food and drink, and you've recently been on a change on your diet and exercise. How's that going? Um. I only I uh, we have such a bad connection. I'm sorry. I only heard the I, the first part. I didn't hear the last part of what you just asked me. I'm seeing how you are doing with this weird media, uh, social media world we're in now, where we're kind of social distancing. But also, you were talking on your social media how you were doing this great exercise and fitness program, and now you're stuck at home with all this food, surrounded like we all are. How are you holding up? Yeah. Well, uh, I am. I am. I'm. I'm good. I'm good. We. I don't have. Uh, you know, like my play, like you said, is as every other actor in a play. It's. It's not happening, and so there's no income for me, which is. Uh, you know, that's a scary thing. 
but I'm I'm not panicking. Um, I'll get through. Uh, and um, but uh, it's I just came up with a new idea yesterday as to like how to how to keep busy and act. It's like I thought, why don't we just get together and have a bunch of play ratings online uh, and uh, just you know dig into scripts and have some fun and get to act and you can you know socialize like that. So I thought that would be something new to focus on. And I'm doing a lot of writing, so um, I'm keeping busy I'm doing what we can do. Very good. And Lonnie, we talked off air a bit. You're a huge baker, but obviously we got to be careful that we don't overindulge here. What are you doing to pass your time while you're home with the family? Well, of course, we have our, our walk, our daily walk. And then I've been working on an exercise uh, video for uh, baby boomers. For people who don't oh, want to go anywhere, I couldn't. It couldn't be a per- more perfect time. We finished it uh, in February, and uh, now I'm hoping it will get out to people because it's exercises you can do in your house without equipment, and uh, get people who aren't usually exercising to get up and get moving. That's so cool. that is perfect timing. How are we going to see that? How is that coming out? Is it online or? Um, well, I don't know. Right now, it's out being shopped around, you know, uh, to see what kind of format it will be on. Um, there, we've gotten interest from a lot of different people, um, so we'll see how it's going to be presented. I'll I'll keep everybody posted, but it's it's a uh, a wonderful routine, and uh, and basically for a lot of people who just really don't even know how to start, and yeah, maybe right. have uh, injuries or arthritis or you know, as as baby boomers are, we're getting older. We we have things we can't do anymore, like twist ourselves into a pretzel, and so uh, that it's um, alternative exercise, but still to keep moving, to keep your uh, basically to keep your balance and your muscle tone, because falls are so dangerous, and right. uh, so we want uh, we want those of the uh, chronologically progressed persuasion to uh, keep on their feet. Yep. I love that. We will be on the lookout for sure. Thank you. So other than that, I am cooking, but I'm not baking. Um, I'm trying to cook healthy food. And uh, then I said, I'm I'm giving myself, it's like I'm at a spa. I'm going to the bottoms of my drawers to find out what's not expired and if I can find a fabulous uh, facial uh, product, you know, and give myself a mask or whatever. So I'm pretending that I'm at my own Lonnie Anderson spa. And then uh, our skin, I said our skin will all be fabulous because we don't have to wear a lot of makeup all the time now. So you can just be scrubbed face. There you go. And uh, Yeah. And then uh, I don't know about my roots, so I'm kind of worried about them. <laughs> oh, God. You people with roots, def- I feel so sorry for you. Yeah, Terry doesn't have to worry about that. Um, (laughs) No, my roots are fine. I just don't have any. As Mumsy says, that's not a ball joke, honey. (laughs) Yeah, I know. know. What I'm doing is I'm doing my ugly underwear rotation because I always am optimistic in the morning thinking somebody might see my underwear, but now I know no one will, so I am pulling out all the really ugly underwear that never gets born. And I'm like, I'm wearing my ugly underwear, which is kind of refreshing. I love it's that. True. That's a and great idea. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Get down to the bottom of the drawer the things that you just won't wear in public. I love that. That you would never wear. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> hopefully we'll all have um, uh, organized our drawers 
and our, our garages and our attics or whatever you have where you have you think I need to get to that that uh, this is the time to do it. Exactly. I think that's it. I, I think like we're either going to be the most organized, most clean, closer than ever people we've ever been to our families and friends and our houses, or we're going to be about 30 pounds heavier and just grumpy as heck when we come out of this. It's going to be one or two people. I know. <laughs> but I just spent six months not eating carbs. It's, like, so frustrating. It's like I'm the skinniest I've been in forever, and nobody can see me. It's ridiculous. And I keep Aww. I keep wondering, will I remember how to drive? I just don't know. There you Maybe go. Maybe well, I'll just go out for a drive, and and uh, so I, I you know, still know how to do it. <laughs> all of our regular skills are going by the wayside. Let's do a little background, Terry. Of course, all my listeners know your background. You've been such a great friend of the show, and I think you've tied our buddy buddy Stan Zimmerman and Dell Shores for most appearances. But I do want my listeners to go check out this fantastic spread that you had on Voyage LA magazine. Uh, if you go to Voyage LA, check out a oh, lot yeah. of your history. There was a fantastic interview, my friend. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you. It was fun to do. I get to talk about all the crazy stories. I love crazy stories. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. So go to VoyageLA.com to check that out. And Lonnie is the first time on here. I mean, people have been under a rock and maybe not have known about you. I've been a fan <laughs> forever. But talk a little bit about where you grew up, what kind of a kid were you, and what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, you know, I always wanted to be an actress. I was the kid who, uh, at five years old, charged the neighbors to watch me sing and dance and do stuff in the garage. And, um, you know, that I was on stage for the first time when I was 10 and uh, I was just determined to be in show business, and um, not my parents not too happy about that. Uh, their generation oh, was, uh, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and and uh, if you had a an attractive daughter, you you hoped she made the best match and had a nice man to take care of her. So uh, she wasn't thinking that I was going to be out working and. And uh, my dad, of course, so World War Two Navy. Uh, air said, um, oh, my gosh, you know, where have I failed you if you want to actually have a job and not have a man like me to just take care of you? <laughs> and so um, so I kind of fought them all along the way and, um, uh, and put myself through college. And um, since I had my uh, – I was married, a married and divorced mother at 19, and uh, so I – I had a lot of responsibilities, plus school, plus a job, plus my child, and my parents were wonderful. They let me live with them and uh, were, helped me take care of her and uh, afforded me the opportunity to pursue my career. But I do have a degree in education, just in case things didn't work out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's great. Well, I think yes. we don't have to worry about that, my that my friend. I mean, your <laughs> yeah, career has been good. amazing. We'll talk about that in just a second. Terry, you've always had so many irons in the fire, electricity, getting ready to go off Broadway, your annual fruit bollies you had over the holidays. Um, oh, it was fabulous. Right I was right there. Just fantastic. What, hey, you guys, what I just all, want to say for the all, first time, I, I can hear you. I'm so excited because I was faking it before, and now I can actually hear you. You so can actually you hear. Oh, good. Ask, ask away. Yay. Before I was like, I'm Very not quite good. sure what you were asking. <laughs> 
just talking about um, all your projects that have kind of been put on hold. What are you doing during this hiatus to kind of keep it? You talked about doing uh, script ideas, which I love. I told, I talked to Del Shores about that a couple weeks ago when it started. He's written so many plays. Just I would Venmo just to see you guys do table reads over uh, Zoom internet or something. What are you What yeah, are you working I, well, on right now? I have. Um, I just finished a Christmas script. Um, uh, a TV movie for a Christmas movie. And um, I just finished just a little sitcom pilot. I really want to write an, uh, another play, which I, I have a crazy idea. I think I'm, I, I think I might do this idea. And um, anyway, it's, uh, it's kind of a great time to, to, for me to write. It's a lot of, you know, writing time by myself. So um, nice. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm excited. Very about the good. To, to, to crank out some work. Michael Vaccaro and I uh, have written a, 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 a show. That, I don't know if I told you that. but uh, uh, I think it's, we it's talked a, a little bit about it, and I like the, the yeah. Facebook page on it. So, yeah, tell everyone a little bit about that project. It, it's, uh, it's the father's-in-law. It's a, it's a gay man's version of the, the, an old sitcom that people haven't heard of, probably called The Mother's-in-Law, but it's two neighbors. Uh, two gay couples who live next door to each other and literally loathe each other. And they have um, one couple has their lesbian daughter and the other couple has their gay son and they're very proud of their children, but their children are secretly straight and get married and they're forced to be in-laws. So, um, well, just like the that. concept and with you guys running, it's going to be amazing. I'm sure. Very, very cool. Yeah. I, and then Lonnie, try to get that made. That'll be great. Lonnie, I hope you don't mind me fanboy not a little bit, but as I said in the opening, WKRP was one of my favorite series that ran the four years that I was in high school. To this day, I'm not sure if it was you that kept me able to have something in common <laughs> and talk about my straight bros or my or Gary Sandy and his equally perfect feathered hair that started me thinking. I was oh my gay. gosh, he was sure. cute little behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know. I was very confused. Ah, uh, but time. you know, I'm such a fan of it now with it rerunning on. Uh, um, me TV and and all over. It's never stopped playing, you know. Since we went off right. the air in 1982, we have never been off the air. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh! Um, I and, think uh, and your character, talk about Jennifer. I mean, that was a progressive lead back then. You were oh you're my so gosh, so, didn't use your yeah. advantage, but your brain kept the station in check. You never got exactly. the coffee or made the coffee. You were the highest paid in the no, office. I mean, the it was smartest person in the room. She was yes. And, uh, you know, very innovative for 1978. I mean, it was a very – I think that's what people made a big deal of it because women weren't glamorous and smart at the same time on TV very much, and so uh, – especially in comedy. And so it was, uh, it was innovative and people connected, and um, uh, I'm sure the young people today are thinking, what, you can be beautiful and smart. Um, but at that time, it wasn't necessarily uh, happening. Right, and uh, kudos on CBS, too. I mean, they just come off of Maude, who was like one of the first strong women, and right. uh, then, then they went to you there, and that, I thought that was very amazing. Um, you and Adrian Barbeau have both been such role models of mine for beautiful women that have been strong, confident women in the roles they played, and it's, it's got to be very gratifying to be able to have that as part of your background. It is, and, you know, we're so lucky, all of us, to have come up in that era of television where there were only 
three major networks and three hours of prime time each night. And so you were pretty much assured that a third of the world was at least was watching you. And, uh, right. you know, we had those huge numbers. And, and that's why, how we all became household names because we were just in your in your life you're, that you didn't have any other streaming TV to go to or anything. And I think that's an era, right. of course, that's gone. And, and now your best friend could be in a hit show for 10 years. You'd never even know it was on. And it's just uh, it's just a different landscape, isn't it? Right, exactly. And, and finding that vein on a personal level, um, I want to talk about your confidence because I think your characters, like I said, have always exuded the confidence unless it was not a trait for the role. But um, I know you had a tough time with your marriage to Burt Reynolds. I don't want to focus on that because that's in your fantastic book, my life in high heels that I hope listeners listen to. But yes, and we're doing right now. Uh, my son and I are doing uh, participating in a documentary about about Bert. You know what you have to look at is that I spent 12 years with someone uh, that I I loved and have a child with, and um, uh, you just have to get over any of the bad times. And um, so you go and you remember the good, which is, I think, the way people should get through life. Let all the bad go. Right. It only makes you sick and unhappy. And um, and you remember the good, and there was lots of good. So we're doing, we're involved in a, a wonderful documentary about um, who he was, and he was iconic. And so we're just uh, appreciating the man he was. That's great. That's amazing. I love that. Fantastic. Well, Terry, let's bring you back in. Let's get to the heart of the matter here today. And these new episodes released on Amazon Prime of My Sister is So Gay, you and Wendy Michaels brought this idea to life. You have a great cast, including, of course, Lonnie as Francis or Mumsy, uh, Tilky Jones as Bo, Deborah Wilson as Becca. You've added Radon Chong this year as Parker. Amazing. Talk about, uh, I mean, you've been trying to get this back together here for a while. Talk about what it's like to actually see it back on the screen. It's a little, it's it's so nice. I, I mean, uh, this show is so fun for me and Wendy and, um, and I hopefully the whole cast. We and have, me too. I and just, me too. Yay. We, we, we just have the best time. I and mean, I'm so lucky to have these brilliantly talented people willing to do this little teeny tiny show when their, their level of uh, uh, professionalism and, and everything is a bazillion times higher than what we're doing with this budget. But they're, they're there and they're funny and I'm so lucky. I, I mean, I didn't, well, here's the I didn't thing. want to give up We're there. Because you are so talented, and we love you, and you're so funny, and you've written such a funny show that, um, you know, just like my putting on plays in the garage, wherever there's something fun to do, we are entertainers, and we want to entertain. And you don't want to just go for the show business, the business part. You want to go for what you got into it for in the first place, and that was the love of something wonderful and some way to really entertain people, and that's what uh, Terry and Wendy have created. Oh, well, well, you're so well brilliant in her role. I mean, she's she's so fantastic, and as as this boozy, uh, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> I don't know, she she just she loves her kids. Yes, you, she's <laughs> really she's a, a loving mother. Um, and, and of course, two, two in their faces. And, uh, you know, she's a perpetually tipsy, uh, promiscuous, uh, outrageous woman who adores her children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, yeah. 
All the characters are amazing. One of my favorite things this this season is the literal sight gags we have of you, Lonnie. I mean, the first episodes you normally just show up when when you least expect it, and now it seems you might have been there all the time, but in camouflage. That's just the funniest sight gag I've ever seen. Oh well, you should have I seen me it. scouring the stores for animal print. <laughs> Her costume. Lonnie did that. I mean, Lonnie got those costumes together, and it would never have worked without her brilliant costumes. And she, she really, you stepped to the plate and delivered on that. Those, those are brilliant costumes. Oh, thank you. I'm it's kind a, of a frustrated makeup and hair and costume person. It's amazing. Well, you did it all. People are going to love yeah. that. Uh, and talk about um, a little bit, Terry. We had Sam Irwin, the fantastic director, helm the first season. Now you have our very good friend Billy Clift on board this season. Talk about how that changed the dynamic, if at all, and give us a little hint more about what's happening this season. Well, okay, so we did our first season with Sam, who we love, and but Sam has just been cranking out TV movies one after another. He's so busy that he couldn't come back. So uh, we had to, if we were going to do it, we had to come up with a different director. And um, and and uh, Billy's been an old friend of mine, and uh, he uh, he was willing to do it, and we we just had a great time, and we we really um, I fell in love with the sitcom Schitt's Creek, and. Um, and we really sort of wanted to have more of that kind of an energy because we felt like we were sort of there already. So we focused a little bit uh, on that this season, having that kind of a uh, embracing that kind of an energy. And um, this um, this season answers the question as to why my character has this super hot young boyfriend, and it doesn't answer it in a way that you might expect. <laughs> It is definitely a different take on it, that's for sure. Um, Seth and Bo have an interesting relationship. Um, Lonnie, talk about your character a bit. Um, what did what really helped bring this out in you? What do you like about your character? Um, I just I love my characters. It, what what this whole show has is uh, a family. Um, you know, no matter how outrageous it is, and a little like Schitt's Creek, you've got that family that always comes together and has the underlying uh, uh, reasoning is that they love each other and that there's warmth, and I think that that's what <clears throat> we have too. We have that in, in this show and that that there is the the love. In the end, there is the love. Very much. It comes through a lot. Um, it's funny it's, in the age of Corona a, now we have. Go ahead, Terry. I should say Lonnie has a, a, a really lovely moment in uh, this season uh, that we were excited to get, to let her have, where she gets to really have a, a, a serious moment, and she is brilliant in it. And I uh, I don't want to spoil it by saying what it is, but it's just like she uh, she just proves what a fine actress she is in this season. Thank you, sweetheart. Oh, I got to tell you, you in bed with the two kids there, Lonnie. That was uh-huh. amazing acting and so heartfelt. That was that was a great scene. I agree with Terry 100% on that. Yes, Fantastic. thank you, Terry, for writing that for me, honey. Yeah, well, you deliver. You deliver. It's so funny, and now people looking at it, we're in the age of corona, and we have a head licker of all things. This is going to be a huge <laughs> funny point to it. Uh, that, that's that got to be interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. Can't plan those things, huh? 
Well, when we we're on this now, we're watching TV and we keep looking at how close people are together, and everybody's hugging and kissing and everything. And you're thinking, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is so different from what we just two weeks ago were doing with one another. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's all yeah. Seth has wanted all the time is social distancing from his family, I think. He wanted that little space. Seth <laughs> <laughs> would, would be very happy with the excuse to not be able to intermingle. I think he pretended to have corona just to keep them all away. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And we love Mumsy and her juice, of course. I love that you portray it so good. Um, but in her a serious vein, Lonnie, you, you would are um, a huge advocate for – Smoking and COPD, is that still in your life? I mean, it's, it was such yes, great and, you know, I just, activism uh, you had. I, yeah, I just did a whole interview with USA Today uh, about COPD because that plays so much into what's happening right now because people with underlying conditions for this particular right. virus, since it's uh, pneumonia, lung, respiratory related, that um, there is no better time to stop smoking than right now. So um, I'm still involved and uh, uh, keep going out and and trying to get the message out for people to stop smoking and to be aware of what COPD really is. And so, yep, that's always um, in the front of my mind. Oh, I love it. Thank you for your advocacy on that. I mean, it's so important. And like you said, you've been such outspoken and great for it. And as you said, today's time, that's the people that got biggest underlying condition right now. I think that's what uh, we just lost um, Terrence McNally, of course, and that was his thing. Yeah. He had a lot of lung, lung degree, um, problems. And, that, and it took he did a, have a COPD. At, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Such a brilliant playwright. So brilliant. So brilliant. Exactly. So important to our LGBTQ community, especially. Um, a little more on the season, Terry. I love. We kind of have a cliffhanger in the end, and now that you are in Palm Springs and not where this whole thing was set, I think we have a new setup for where Seth's new house can be, <laughs> or at least the next character. Do you think we're going to be able to see this? It's so hard to get web series made anymore on budgets. Do you see hopefully finding another season? Well, um, of course, we would all love to do more, uh, but we're hopefully going to be able to um, have some meetings to possibly, you know, sell it, and then we yeah. Can when do show it with business a is budget. back up and running again, um, yeah. we're hoping that uh, uh, maybe there are other outlets for it. So Fantastic. we would love to make it a full length. Uh, sitcom and, and not do the web series like we were releasing it on um as, on amazon as full-length episodes so uh that's where we want to get to well it, it comes across so well and like you said i'm i'm a huge Shit's creek fan as well uh with dan levy and eugene levy and all them and i think it does have that same sensibility same um it's nice you can kind of have the small set design so you can do it relatively inexpensive um, but you have such huge outsourced talent between all of you guys in the cast. Yeah, that is amazing. So, so I mean, hopefully and, and that can happen. Chung. We have Ray Don Chung this season. I mean, that's pretty exciting. I mean, we just he's adorable. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And and Deborah Wilson was only in one episode last season, and this time she gets to really shine a lot more. And you know, of course, yeah. she's brilliant. What a talented. And, uh, Talented lady. Tilky got to do stuff he's never done before, and he really delivered. I thought he was very good. 
So yes, and of course, yeah. of course, Wendy is terrific, and so we just I'm just feel blessed, and 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 to have my dream mommy play my mommy, <laughs> it's, it's beyond beyond. I love it. Oh, that, there you go. And we are, like you said, Lonnie, you you are you've been so amazing in everything you've done. Um, the Jane Manfield story was amazing. What kind of draws you to scripts these days? What makes you want to come out and uh, get back in? Come it? out to play? I mean, you know, it really is after you have nothing to prove, uh, you know, when you get to a certain point in your career and you think, you know, what is it that makes me want to leave the house and go do it? Um, right. And it's really just a great script like Terry has written and Terry and Wendy. And uh, to think that... Uh, a lot of things come your way, and it's kind of, I hate to say, not worth leaving the house. Um, and right. you just go like, no, you know, I I got into this business to not only, especially for me because I love comedy, to go out and have a good time, but to also go out and do something that's meaningful, that you look forward to going there every day and being with the people because sometimes life is too short for some people um, as far as sure. working with them. You know, you think, no, nope, no. Nope. And um, uh, so those are the things that draw me right now. And then I'm also always thinking of something that is relevant to my uh, my time in my in my life. I mean, just like doing this exercise video, um, you you just things are relevant to as we age, whatever decade we're in. We um, we want to be also helpful to uh, other people that sure. are out there that are our same age. And uh, so I think uh, that I'm always looking for something interesting, helpful, and fun. Mostly I'm looking for fun because that's the kind of actress I am. But um, uh, funny is my favorite. Well, there you go. Well, you are ageless, my darling. You are absolutely beautiful inside and out. And we appreciate anything we can see you on, that's for sure. Thank you very much. Well, and getting to work with her, Scott, it's like, you know, there's this professional timing. This, this, she's this, she has this innate, perfect timing that is never off. Hmm. Like, she's, she's, it's never off. It's, it's, it's just inside of her, and, uh, and that's a gift. And I, it's a, it's a thrill to work with. Thank you, honey. Well, Terry, and I got to brag on you too. I mean, you you tend to bring out the best in these people that have this great comedic timing and are iconic. You work with Lonnie and, of course, Don Wells and everyone you've worked with over your career. You really just get an instant chemistry. How are you able to? Is it just being such a fan of them, or how are you able to create this chemistry with them? Well, it's, it's such a gift to, for me to get to play, and it's fun. So I I don't know I I I I uh, I love comedy and it just I don't know it just kind of it just kind of happens and uh, and yeah. I think it's well, all about well people with awesome. the same with the same attitude and the same uh, warmth and love and and uh, doing it for the same reasons I think you just make that con- that instant uh, relationship happens uh, like a family yeah it's that it's 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 knowing that you're all doing it because you want to have a good time. And unfortunately, with my projects, no one's getting rich. So you have to have a good time because <laughs> there's no other reason to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and all the equality vodka you can drink. There we go. Let's give a big shout to yeah. Bert, 
Okay, right. good. Yeah, Which I is really that. water, so it's not as tasty as it seems. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, well, we got to start wrapping this up. We're going to do a special five questions that we're going to do on a bonus episode later. Lonnie, we talked a little bit about this upcoming exercise video, which sounds amazing. You're talking about you've done a couple interviews. What else should we be on the lookout for for the lovely Miss Lonnie Anderson on? Oh, my gosh. Well, up until uh, we all had to stay home, I did have uh, a couple of uh, projects besides the exercise video that were uh, in the works, and hopefully when we get back to it, we'll continue with that. And uh, uh, I'm hoping that My Sister is So Gay has a life, and uh, we can all continue doing that. So um, so right now, that's that's what's happening. Otherwise, I'll be here uh, cooking. And, uh, <laughs> and talking to the window. <laughs> and working Fingers out. And, and, face, Fingers and giving crossed. myself a facial. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now, how do you how 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 are you on the social media? Do you do the social media at all, Lonnie? Is that your thing, or I do. do you, you know, I have uh, I have uh, my son is thirty one, and um, and then I have uh, a grown daughter and two grown granddaughters. So my granddaughters are, you know, they've graduated from college already, and so they're very into social media. And uh, it's really the way you keep in touch with that generation. Uh, everybody uh, keeps me, like, up to date and with it, teaches me to lay. I'll ask, how do I do this? Because I want to I be able to communicate with, um, right. with everybody and with, and with that younger generation and keep in touch with them. Very nice, very nice. And Terry? Where can we, uh, you're working busy, if we get these script things off the ground, we have that coming up. Talk about that for a second and where they can find you on your social as well. Um, well, I'm, um, I'm on Facebook as, you know, it's Terry Ray, and I'm on um, uh, Instagram as something with Terry Ray in it. I'm not really sure <laughs> I'm on there. And I'm on uh, Twitter as Terry Ray. Uh, I, I have to force myself to do Twitter and Instagram, but I do it. Um, um, but um, I I also have a website TerryRay.tv, uh, which keeps my projects up to date. But electricity has its own website, electricitytheplay.com. Uh, so the goal there is to get that off Broadway. We've been raising money, and uh, Lonnie was about to help us with a, a terrific event here in Palm Springs that we had to cancel or postpone. We'll postpone it. So. Everything is on hold, you know, like everybody else. So, but well, there's a lot of is really pu- pretty much closed down right now. I mean, let's face it; it's just sure. no business is closed. And yeah, uh, no, hopefully, yeah, when it gets up and running again, we'll all be raring to go. Well, yeah, that's why we have these great venues that, like sure. Amazon Prime, where we can watch My Sister Is So Gay. I encourage all my listeners to go out to that. Um, Lonnie's book is still in publication, My Life in High Heels. Be sure to look for that. If you want to find out more about Lonnie, it's very interesting and great read. I have it on my shelf. I'm a biography Oh, fiend. thank you very much. Thank no. you. And, and of course, no um, I'm rerunning everywhere on everything in everything I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good yeah. thing about streaming. You know, there, we never thought when we did that in the, uh, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and uh, that right. all of our stuff would be on forever and ever and ever. Exactly. Well, it is, and we're the lucky people for it, Lonnie. Thanks for that. Terry Thank Ray, you. I'm going to be seeing you in Palm Springs this summer again. Looking forward to Yay. that, my friend. 
And uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on the Left of Straight Show. Stay on the line for me. We're going to go ahead and play out here. And we'll be back in this little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Throw my hands up over my head and cry Still I know you are the one And I still taste you on my tongue And I would be fortunate to lie with you One more night Inside your eyes and I'm flying What am I still doing here? I know you will soon disappear But I still hold on to spend time with you One more night And turn all night till you come closer. Feeling you inside me over and over. Still, I know you are the one. I still taste you on my tongue, and I would be fortunate to lie with you. That is one more night from our buddy, Matt Stern. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Terry Lonnie. I forgot to warn you ahead of time. Terry was having a horrible time finding signal, so we didn't get great audio from Terry. He was actually driving all over Palm Springs trying to find the best signal at the time. Lonnie was up at her house and sounded pretty good most of the time. She is amazing. We had a great time talking off air, and uh, you got to go to Amazon Prime and watch the second season of My Sister is So Gay. It's hilarious. And hopefully we can get this thing, the series, uh, picked up on a on a network, Hulu or Netflix or something like that. But it's time for our second interview. Um, very fun, very interesting interview with Rob Gutro. He is, as I said, a uh, meteorologist scientist by day and a medium and paranormal investigator by night, along with an author of some amazing books. And we had a great time talking on Friday. So uh, stay tuned for this. We're going to talk to Rob here. And I'll be back to wrap up the show in just a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. All righty, friends. We are back. My next guest is a scientist by trade as a meteorologist. But besides the phenomenon of weather, he also delves into the paranormal as an investigator and a medium. He's also a successful author with best-selling books such as 
Pets and the Afterlife, one and two. Lessons learned from Talking to the Dead and Ghosts of England on a Medium's Vacation. His latest book, Kindred Spirits, tells the story of an actual friendship he's maintained with a specific spirit, the ex-partner of his current husband, as a matter of fact. I'm excited to talk to him all about that and so much more. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Rob Gutrow. Rob, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's uh, a pleasure to be with you. It is my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you for calling into the show. Uh, how are you uh, isolating in place these days? Where are you coming from? Where are you calling in from? Uh, we live in Maryland. Me and my husband live in Maryland with our four dogs, and uh, we are uh, isolating in place and doing what we're supposed to do uh, for the long term. Looks looks like uh, quite a long long haul here. There you go. I don't think it's going to be any time quick, but uh, you got to do what you have to do. I definitely appreciate you having you call in today. Um, we talked last year, uh, not too long after your book came out, but I went on hiatus, and I'm glad we're able to reconnect and talk today. Um, I've always been interested in this kind of phenomenon, I've, from Sylvia Brown to John Edwards, Teresa Caputo, even Tyler Henry. Uh, thanks for taking the time. A very interesting line of, uh, I guess it's not your actual work, but it's your um, work that you've made that I think you love. Tell me about how you got started in all this. Well, it was actually kind of accidental. Um, my first my first encounter with the paranormal was when I was a teenager. I was actually about 13 years old. And uh, my grandfather, who had passed away in, I believe it was January, um, uh, suddenly appeared to me in full color about six months later in July. And I was home, I was home with the family dog, otherwise alone, um, when, when he decided to show up. <clears throat> and, uh, wow. so he scared, he scared me to death <laughs> and I grabbed the dog and I ran outside. <laughs> um, so when, long story short, when my parents came home and I had talked to my parents, my mother was not surprised, which surprised me because it turns out she had really? the ability, but she never used it. Wow. So that is kind of interesting. Not something you've never even talked about with her before, huh? That's wild. Yeah. I mean, 13, yeah, you know, she, she kept it from me. So, um, and I'm the only one of my family, I have two brothers and either one of them have this ability. And, um, you know, it wasn't until 2005 when I was, uh, I was in my early 40s <clears throat> um, that uh, everything really started to come through a lot. And that was – you mentioned my pets in the afterlife book. <clears throat> the reason everything started to really open up is because my puppy was tragically killed by a car in 2005. Oh, okay. He, he opened the door um, to the other side for me much more, and and he convinced me. He showed me just countless ways that pets communicate from the other side. And then suddenly all these people were communicating with me from the other side. So that's the long oh, wow. <laughs> That is wild. I love that. And give a little bit of your background. Since it's your first time in the show. Where do you grow up? What kind of a kid were you? And what did you originally want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, I grew up in the Boston area and, um, I was a really quiet and shy kid. I didn't really talk to anybody. My younger brother was my best friend, and um, 
and we had we had two dogs in the family, which were also like best friends to me. And so I grew up, and uh, as an adult now, I do I've been doing animal rescue with my husband in our spare time, and we have four dogs. Um, and I always wanted to be a meteorologist because of the influence by the bad weather in New England. Um, and I want wanted to become a meteorologist. Worked for the Weather Channel for a time. Um, so um, that's that's pretty much the long and short of it, too. Gotcha. Very, very cool. I like it. And when did you first come out to yourself, and when did you come out to others? Oh, I came out to myself when I, <laughs> uh, I was probably 15 um, <clears throat> when I um, had a crush on a high school uh, guy. and But I knew when I was four. Absolutely knew when I was four. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I it, <laughs> Interestingly enough, my parents, we grew up Catholic, and my parents used to take us to church, and, you know, and we were kind of cafeteria Catholics, I suppose. And gotcha. I remember at four years old staring, and I could not stop staring at this really handsome, dark-haired, blue-eyed guy with a five o'clock shadow in the back, really young guy. And um, I, knew, <clears throat> I knew right then. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I understand where that's where that's coming from. Well, I want to get into your work and your books and everything. Before we get started, though, uh, for a little background, um, you say that there's a difference between ghosts and spirits. Talk about that for a minute and see if that's going to help us as we get through the rest of this. Sure, it it actually will help. Um, so, my first book was called Ghosts and Spirits, and the reason I titled it that is because as a medium, I've been able to communicate with people and pets on the other side, but there's a difference. One is earthbound, and when we die, uh, and the other one is, and has crossed over. You may have heard that, that um, language before. So here's right. the difference. When we die, our memories, personality, and our knowledge couple with the physical energies that are within us. Then we make a decision to stay in a place, fixed place on earth of our choosing, whether it be a hospital we die in or uh, a home that we grew up in or maybe a prison that somebody died in or uh, a battlefield, uh, someplace that the person was familiar with in life. A, A spirit, on the other hand, and most people cross over, are spirits. Spirits basically cross over into the light that you hear about. It's, uh, it, it's really just energy. Um, okay. that, uh, it, it's doorway to the other side. People call it heaven or paradise or Valhalla or whatever you want to call it. Um, it to, to me, there's no religion at all involved. It's all science. It's all about energy. People who have beliefs can apply them to it. The foundation is energy. So ghosts are earthbound in places of their choosing, and spirits have crossed over. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. I did not know that, and that's good background there. Well, let's get into it and start with um, your pets and the afterlife. Because I'm honest, I'm not a pet person to begin with. I've never really got given it much thought about the possibility of an afterlife for pets. I've always been the kind of guy that was either never home or too busy and can barely feed myself, let alone feed someone else that's dependent on me. So talk about, <laughs> you, you say this started with uh, your dog had tragically passed. 
talk about the energy and what it's like for a pet uh, afterlife. So um, pets have the intelligence of a three- to five-year-old child. Um, in, I've written two books, two Pets in the Afterlife books, one, number one and number two, working on three and four right now. Um, but I used to I, I use scientific studies that I uh, to back up my understanding of how they communicate. So Dr. Stanley Corrin wrote a couple of books called How Dogs Think and the Intelligence of Dogs. And he has proven that dogs have the intelligence of a three- to five-year-old human child, which is why we always, as people, look at them as children because they behave that way. So that makes um, sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that said, if the children can communicate with us, so pets having that same level of intelligence can communicate. I mean, they know language, they can read our emotions. They know when we're happy, sad, mad, um, you know, sick. Um, and, and they learn about objects in the house <clears throat> Any domesticated animal um, knows how people behave and can communicate with us. So people ask me about wild animals. The answer is no. Wild animals cannot communicate from the other side. Not that we would recognize because they don't understand us and we don't really understand them. So, hmm. Good point. Okay, very yeah. cool. And I hear a lot about mediums. You usually communicate Visually, they get symbols or something that goes to them. Some verbally talk to them. Now, an animal verbally can't talk, obviously, so is it more symbols you're seeing from them, or what are you seeing when you're communicating with uh, with a pet? So that's a really great question. So as a medium, we <clears throat> see, hear, uh, feel, um, smell, um, and sense uh, spirits who have crossed, or earthbound ghosts. Um, we also can see them in our minds. Sometimes they share a vision of what they look like in our, in our minds. Now, when I go on paranormal investigations with the group that I belong to, I take a book and I sketch out the face of the ghost that I encounter. And um, mm. I, so far, I've been batting a 1,000 with every single one of them over the last uh, 10 years of investigation. So, wow. So pets can tell That's you what wild. they look like. Yeah. Um, so so you've never had a pet? No. I, I mean, We had uh, one dog one time when we, my brothers were very young, and it was too much of a dog to them. We kept knocking them over. So my parents got rid of it. And so my parents were never pet people. And like I said, I've never been around too much to have one. I, I travel too much. Okay. Well, <clears throat> did you do you wish that you uh, moved your brother on and kept the dog? <laughs> <laughs> At times, definitely. I agree with that yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just had to ask. Um, so, so yeah, so so pets can communicate in a number of ways, and they, you know they also do the same things that human spirits and ghosts do. They can move things. You can feel them. Um, I felt the uh, uh, as a ghost <clears throat> brush up against my leg. Um, people report uh, paw prints of their dog or cat on the end of their bed when they're sleeping after their dog or cat had passed away. Um, you can hear barks and, and meows, which sound like other rooms. They come from other rooms. Um, so, so the reason I wrote these two books is to educate people about all the ways that your pets can communicate from the other side. And once you understand, you know what to look for, and you can get comfort in, in recognizing those signs. 
I like it. And talk about that a little more because, I mean, we always hear that peop- that spirits come with a message. A lot of them have a message. Is, is it just for comfort from pets, or do they actually, some of them actually carry messages to the people that were in their lives? Um, often the, the message is to let the pet parent know that they are very much still there. Um, and one thing about spirits is that spirits who have crossed is that they always come around on birthdays, anniversaries, and holidays. And the reason for that is that our energy level around those times is elevated. It's always an exciting time. So pets can read our energy level. As I mentioned, just like they know when we're sick or mad or so forth, they can read our good emotional energy. Um, So they will often come around on those times. Okay, very good. All right, I got that then. And you have something in one of your books, um, something about a, what uh, what a pet's ashes can do. Talk to me about that for a second. Sure. Um, so we we have ashes of our two dogs <clears throat> that passed away, and ashes are really just remnants. They're, they're residual remnants. Um, they do contain a little bit of energy, emotional energy from the pet, so they can act as kind of a draw you um but it's not necessary to have their ashes for them to find you um because if the love that you share with them actually acts as a kind of an invisible tether um and i I will i'll let you know that in 2009 uh, my husband tom and i were on vacation in puerto rico and we weren't even thinking about the month the date or whatever we were in old San Juan and we were in a, a, an intersection where there were five streets. We had to make a choice of which one to go down. Not been there before. I was nudged to go down one particular street. And Tom said, why do you want to do that? And I said, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like we have to go down there. Well, we got, we got to the end of the street and there was a dog walker. The dog walker had a Weimar on her, which is the breed of dog I had that was tragically killed by a car. It was mm-hmm. right there that I heard my dog that was killed, Buzz is his name, say to me, Dad, I brought you down here. I want you to remember what day it is. And right then it struck me that it was the anniversary of his passing. Oh, wow. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so there's very, no such very thing cool. as coincidence when it comes to spirits. Right. Wow, that is wild. And now you said you and your husband um, do a lot of volunteering and rescue work and everything. Is uh, How does that work with your gift? Have you had some wild encounters that way of things that are, do they like communicate with you if it doesn't have a connection to you more? Um, are you able to connect to these other ones? Or are you more um, in, in people that you're, you've been in contact with or no? So um, I can't communicate with living animals, um, so that would be an animal communicator. Um, as a medium, I only communicate with pets that pass. So, um, but certainly as a dog rescuer, I know, you know, I, I can kind of figure out what, what's going on with the dog, whatever dog we rescue or foster or whatever. Um, but only, yeah, only pets who pass, not the, not the living ones. So I couldn't tell you, you know, why your dog is acting funny or, you know, why... <laughs> Why they circle the ball before they eat. (laughs) That's an animal communicator. Very cool. I want to make sure we got that distinction. Very, very good. 
and um, talk about a little bit. Um, I think you said once that you had a, a kind of a ghostly dog rescue a girl. Talk about that story for a second. Sure, that's a um, it, that's a story that's in my Pets in the Afterlife book, my first Pets in the Afterlife book. Um, my friend Shelley, who uh, works with me in Dachshund Rescue and has for the last 10 years, uh, conveyed a story to me that when she was a little girl, um, she uh, she was being chased by bullies, basically, and, um, and the bullies were dogs, um, and like wild dogs off leash. And out of nowhere, a German shepherd appeared, and that German shepherd scared those other dogs off. Now, she knew all the dogs in the neighborhood, and she had never seen that dog before. And after the dogs ran off, she turned and looked back, and the the German Shepherd was gone. So she knew that it wasn't a little German Shepherd. That is very cool. I mean, that's that's the summary of the story. The whole story is in the book, but... (laughs) Right. No, very cool. I love that. Well, let's kind of move on to other things here. Let's talk about you. You, you talk about doing ghost hunting and tracking. You've worked with the Inspired Ghost Tracking Group of Maryland. Um, that's been featured in the Washington Post and on programs like Coast to Coast AM, which I like to listen to on my late night drives home. Um, talk about that organization and uh, and any experience you've had with that that our listeners might want to hear about. Sure. So after I published my first book, I actually gave a lecture at Inspired Ghost Tracking, and they asked me to join as a medium. And uh, that's how it all began, my affiliation with them. Um, now, they've been, they've been around for over 10 years, and what we do is whenever we get calls from private homeowners who think they have paranormal problems – um, the manager, Margaret Ehrlich, has them fill out a quite a lengthy questionnaire. You know, and there are questions on there that ask them, you know, are there, have anyone ha- had experiences with, uh, you know, mental illness? Uh, is there alcoholism? Is there drug use in the home? Um, other things like do people, have people used Ouija boards, which are not good to use because they open doorways to bad things? Um so they go through an extensive questionnaire, and if Margaret deems that it is very likely paranormal, we send in two teams. One is a technical team with all kinds of scientific equipment, and the other one are the mediums, myself included. And then we do an investigation really thorough and then go over all the um, all of the uh, things that we get, the evidence, and then we make a conclusion and sometimes we, oftentimes, we have to go back and cross them over, which is interesting. Hmm. And talk about, you say how um, the lives kind of cross between um, the science and the paranormal. Where do, you, where do those lines intersect at? That's a great question. And, I, you know, I think that the, that the paranormal will soon be normal, only that science hasn't caught up to it yet. But science is catching up to it because, right. you know, we use a lot of equipment that actually helps detect these entities. 
as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, ghosts, earthbound ghosts, and spirits who cross over are basically energy combined with memories, personality, and knowledge of the life that they lived. So that's why we use electromagnetic field detectors, and whatever those meters spike, we know that we are in the presence of either an entity or a, a short, a wire short in your <laughs> your fuse box, <laughs> because electricians use those for that very reason. Um, we use digital thermometers, and the reason we do that is because you, you've often, you know, you probably heard cold spots may indicate a right. ghost. So as a meteorologist, I figured out why that is. Um, because ghosts are energy, they, they need to draw energy from things in order to get strong enough to communicate. So they draw heat, light, water, and electricity. Those are the things that energize them. They also energize by emotions. So earthbound ghosts use negative emotions like fear, anxiety, and depression. Those things will fuel an earthbound ghost. Um, on the other hand, spirits that have crossed over, um, they're fueled by love and faith and hope. So, um, oh, wow. But about, That's kind of cool. But about, yeah, so it's, it's all about energy, really. Um, so the cold spot thing happens because ghosts will, or spirits will slow down the movement of the molecules of air. And fast-moving molecules of air are warm air. Slower-moving molecules of air are colder air. That's scientific, scientifically proven. So that's why when you have a cold spot, you're very likely in the presence of a spirit, unless you're standing under a, you know, <laughs> a blower. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're under the air conditioning bed, it doesn't really count. I gotcha. <laughs> all yeah, right. So it's all very about energy. Well. Yeah. I love that. I love how this, and I like how you say that the science is just not entirely caught up with it, but it, that it's there. It's just where you haven't found all the intersections yet. That's, that's fascinating. I love that. All right, well, let's get into your book. I mean, I, I love the title, Kindred Spirits, When a Medium Befriends a Spirit. Now, you met your husband, Tom, back in 2005, and one of his exes' spirits came along pretty quickly. Talk about that and the basis yeah, of this book. Sure. He sure did. So what, one thing you need to know about Tom is that Tom is very quiet. Tom is kind of the opposite of me. Tom doesn't talk about anything, doesn't talk about his past, doesn't talk about anything. Um, he's very shy, very introverted. So when we met, um, you know, he, in 2005, uh, and we met on Yahoo Personals, by the way. That's not Oh, my goodness, anymore. yeah. Back yeah, in the yeah. day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when we met, you know, I, you know I, we would talk about everything. Well, I would talk about everything, and then I would ask him questions. And um, – I said, who was the you know, strongest love or the, the one you felt were, was, were with the longest player period of time? And he said, this guy named Ed. Um, and then he said, and all I knew was Ed passed away in 1996, and it was, and it was after they had broken up. Um, and that's all I knew. I'm like, well, sure. okay, you know, you can't pry <laughs> when they don't want to talk. Sure, so. right. And look. You know, plus Ed had passed away, so it was obviously very traumatic. Well, um, Ed certainly was not done with Tom. 
Um, the first encounter we had, or I had with him, was um, within the first year uh, I met Tom. I think it was probably within several months afterward, probably six months. Um, we were driving back from visiting Tom's grandmother, and in the rearview mirror of my truck, I was driving, Tom was in the passenger side, there was Ed's face looking at me from the back seat. And really? it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, um, I, you know, I told Tom, I said, I'm sure this is Ed because I saw that one picture that you have of him that, that you have out. And uh, so it was quite startling. And from there, it snowballed over, over 14, 15 years. It's amazing. Now, talk about, let's talk Tom here for a second. When did you first share the gift with him? Um, that's not something you just say on a first date. And yeah. how did he feel about this when Ed <laughs> first came to you? Where, where was he at in his journey with this at that point? Oh, my gosh. He was he was not even on the journey uh, <laughs> with this. Um, <laughs> what's kind of funny is that, you know, just actually just before I met him, in the year, the year I met him, I met him in December 20, 2005. And in February 2005, that's when my puppy passed away. So I started writing all of these things down, um, all of these signs and, and stuff, and, and proving everything that my puppy would, would uh, give me. So I kept a running journal of all this stuff. Um, plus, um, uh, my dad passed away in 2008, and my dad uh, helped me prove to my own mother and brothers that my dad was at his own wake and his own funeral. And Tom was there. Tom was there. That was 2008. So three years into being, you know, dating each other, being with each other. Um, and I, I proved it to Tom, too, because there was absolutely no way I could have known what I knew about what was in my mother's purse. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Which is, okay. yeah, unless my dad told me. And it was something personal of my dad's. And um, so that's in my book, Ghosts and Spirits. Um, really amazing story. And my dad came through in so many ways. It was insane. Um, so that's when Tom started really, you know, taking note of this stuff. Um, but so I finished, I published my first book in 2009. And, you know, he, before I published that, I asked him to take me into historic places and then I would see what I get. And it was, it was kind of funny uh, Scott, I got to tell you that I would go in and go, oh, my gosh, there's there's a, an older man here and he's got a mustache and he's hunched over and his name is John and and, and so forth. And, and Tom would just he would stand there and he would roll his eyes and he would say, <laughs> whatever. He's like, go talk to the, uh, you know, the house historian and see if that makes any sense. So and every time I did, they confirmed everything I got. Oh, so wow. then I really started I started believing what I was getting. So. But so we so we used to go to historic places, you know, just to test me. And and then it turned out everything, you know, I was getting was accurate. So um but Tom did not have the ability until we went to England. So 
So many of your listeners may have had experiences where they're drawn to something that, you know, they like something and they don't understand why they like it, but they do like either a place or a, a type of music or a type of history or something. Have you ever experienced that? Uh-huh, definitely. I know exactly what you're talking about. So what, what, is it, what is it that you are drawn to in life that you can't kind of explain why, but you just like it? I've always um, – it's really weird. I've always been drawn to guitars, and I can't play a lick. But whenever I see a guitar out of the corner of my eye or different guitars, I just, I'm drawn to guitars for some reason. Don't know how to play. Don't know what it means, but I am drawn to guitars, which is kind of weird for me. That's my. That's one thing. There's there's lots of weird things like that, but that's one thing. Well, I can explain that for you then. So what that means is, at some point in one of your lives, because we all come back over and over again, you play the guitar. You had that ability, and you were always fascinated with playing the guitar. And in this life, that memory is totally buried. But you're attracted to the instrument because of what happened before. I've always wondered that. Yeah, I've always wondered that because it is. It's a very preternatural obsession with guitars. It's very strange. And I don't know why. I've just never taken the time to learn it, but I just it's always back there. So I kind of wondered that. I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you said that. But, okay, so, so, so we have this happening, so... Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't hate, hate to interrupt. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if you decide to ever try and play guitar, it may come easier to you than you think. That would be really kind of cool. <laughs> I would like that. I'm going to. I'm going to try just to see if that happens. <laughs> nice. Okay. So we were talking. You were something was happening in England when you went to England. I interrupted yeah, so- you there. No, no worries. So in uh, so Tom has always had this feeling that he he uh, lived in England, or and he's always been fixated and fascinated by the Tudor period of England. You know, Henry VIII and Queen uh, sure. and Elizabeth, uh, his daughter, and so forth. Um, always been fascinated by that. So finally, in 2012, we made a trip. We we organized a trip through a, a great travel agency called Across the Pond Vacations who found us all these Tudor places to go. And when we went into Westminster Abbey, Tom had his first paranormal experience. He started, yeah, he started sensing uh, like a a man uh, who turned out to be a dead king (laughs) that was buried in Westminster Abbey walking around. And he smelled. He said. He told me. He said he smells like the the scent of a rotting corpse. What he thought it would smell like. Right. And that that became his hallmark for knowing when a dead person was around him. Um. In in Westminster Abbey too, in the, my book Ghosts of England on a Medium's Vacation, um, Tom and I were standing in front of uh, one of one of the tombs of one of uh, Henry VIII's queens. And I think it was Anne of Cleves. And 20 feet apart, and our hair was pulled by what, what what felt like somebody standing between us. But we were 20 feet apart. So the, really? the, the ghost, yeah, pulled the – he was on the left side of me, 
and the ghost pulled the left side of his hair, I mean the right side of his hair, and the left side of my hair. Uh, um, so it was like somebody had 20-foot-long arms, and they pulled our hair at the same time, and we both physically felt it. It was wacky. Oh, that's wild. That is wild. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because he, you know, he, he turned to me and he said, did you do that? And I'm like, I'm 20 feet over here. I thought you just pulled my hair. You know how wow. you know how it is when, when you're a couple. You're like, why did you do that? I was like, no, exactly. I didn't. Right. It was a dead person. <laughs> oh my goodness, so since, that is wild. So, so since then, he's had the ability too, and you know, he's still he's still developing it too. But um, so we use it to confirm stuff with each other, and and, uh, and he can sense Ed a little bit, but Ed comes to me all the time. That is just crazy. Now, this is going to sound weird. Is there jealousy involved? Does Ed tell you things that shouldn't be told? Or has any, has any awkward conversations come of this? Uh, it's funny you ask that. A- absolutely. Ed has told me things that I could not possibly know. And then I tell Tom, and he's like, how the hell did you know that? And then he says, oh, you're talking to Ed again. And so uh, it's kind of it's funny. He said, he said to me on several occasions, he said, you know, I don't think I'd like it when you talk to Ed. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. That that would be a little different when you have a, a, a psychic connection, especially with an ex. I mean, we, we dislike physical um, interactions with our exes, between, with our new people. So I imagine a psychic thing that you can't see or even feel, that's got to be something very strange. So I, I'm with Tom on this. It's got to be a little different experience. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, just imagine being coupled up with someone and one of your exes who has passed away keeps coming to him and giving him <laughs> you know, background information about how their lives were together and what their habits are. And it's, I mean, to me, it's great it. because Tom doesn't communicate very much. So he's quiet. So Ed tells me everything. Nice. Well, that's one of my questions. Let's get in general here. We've got to wrap things up in a bit. Tell me sure. um, what is the best advice you've got um, through your spirit world, and what's the, what's the most troubling thing you've heard? The best advice is that we all need to treat each other um, equally, and we need to treat each other with love and kindness. Um, and we need to uh, stay away from negative people um, who will bring us down and make us feel less than, less than we are. Um, so there are seven lessons that I, um, that I wrote in, that Ed has given me for everybody. And that those are in the back, the back of the book. Um, and you'll see those, you'll kind of get the feel of those as you read through the book. Um, one of the most disconcerting things I got from the other side, uh, basically an investigation where I went into a house and I found out that there were two women who were brutally murdered by someone in a drug infested rage. And I was mm-hmm. able to confirm that. So that's in my, that's in my, uh, my book lessons learned from talking to the dead. Wow. Wow. That's, that's wild. And has there ever been 
an intrusive time where you didn't want to talk to a spirit that a spirit's come or at an inopportune time. Oh, sure. They, yeah, they, you know, they don't, they don't care about earthly things. They just, they want to get their message across. (laughs) They'll tell you anyway, anyway they want. I, I, I joke with people and tell them that, um, that uh, my shower has been so crowded. <laughs> That's where they all come and give me messages. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, it's kind of kind of weird when you know there have been so many grandmothers in my shower from the other side. I'm like, please, you know, have some decency. <laughs> Wait till I get out, and get dressed. <laughs> and my um, last part: Are you able to? Um, Talk on demand. Anyone in particular? Do they get back at you? Is there like a? Do they understand it? Maybe you hear it a couple of days later, and you might have wanted to to work something through with somebody, but uh, either pet or living or uh, human. Um, I can yeah, I can talk to them. Like Ed actually is is like that. So I can call on him, and then I can actually hear him in my head and talk to him. I'm, so I've gone from getting little signs, symbols, and pictures from him to having full-blown conversations, and I can hear things. Um, and by the way, in the book Kindred Spirits, he helped me prove to his dad and his family that he was with every member of his family two weeks before I first met his dad and family. Plus, he helped me prove that he did not commit suicide. So – he, so we we figured that all out by all the clues that he gave me. Wow, well, that had to be a big relief. Not even knowing that that's that's kind of wild in that side too. That that it, had to be a relief for the family. I can imagine. Yeah, it, it, yeah. His dad told me that uh, after 15 years, he could finally stop grieving for the loss of Ed. Um, but I, I do want to let you know that uh, people who are victims of suicide. Absolutely, crossover all the time, um, regardless. So, it's important. I like that. Okay, very, very good. All right. Well, I got to tell you, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much, Rob, for taking the time to call in today. Great stuff. Uh, do you have another book you're working on now, or do you have any uh, projects that you're in the middle of? Sure. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, um, I just published on Kindle, soon to be published on paperback, Case Files of Inspired Ghost Tracking. So um, that has a, quite a number of cases in private homes that we've been into. And, you know, the names and all that stuff have been changed. But it's a fascinating look at different ways that houses are actually haunted. Um, so, uh, and, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to be doing lectures from remote for a couple months, <laughs> but that's okay. Right, right. That, well, that's what I want to get into too, because besides your books and, and, and your day job, you do this. You consult, you do do lectures on different things. Um, talk about what might someone want to um, reach out to you to do? What, what, what do you like to, what are different things that you do that people might be interested in? Um, well, uh, I, I maintain a blog every week, and I always post uh, things about ghosts or spirits, people or pets, uh, at, at least several times a week, so they can they can find out things there. I have Facebook pages and Twitter and um, Instagram, and they can. I love questions. People can ask me questions all the time, um, and I will answer every one of them. 
but I only do it on weekends because I have a day job. Um, and I wrote my books to educate people that once the physical life is over, there is an afterlife in energy, and we can communicate with our loved ones, and I teach them how to look for those signs. Very good. I love that. And your blog is your website, so go ahead and give your website um, address, and people can follow all the links off that. Do you prefer people to get your books, um, like on Amazon and those kind of stores, or from the website, or what's the best place you, that you prefer? Uh, Amazon.com is probably the best way to get them. Um, and they're all under $10 because I, as a self-published author, I want to make them as affordable as possible. Um, ebooks are like less than $3 or $3.99, something like that. But um, uh, robguttrow.com or petspirits.com will take you right to the website. Um, but, yeah, you can find me on Amazon, and I, I would love to hear from everybody. Very good. Well, Rob, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the Left of Straight show. Uh, listeners, you got to look out. We're going to do five questions with Rob when we finish uh, taping this, find out some different things about the spirit world. But I hope you have a great uh, time. You and Tom hunker down here, and uh, uh, hopefully Ed won't uh, be interrupting too much over the next couple of weeks here. <laughs> it's always good to talk to him, too. So <laughs> thank you, Scott. There you go. I appreciate it. All right, well, stay on the line for me, guys. We're going to play out with a little bit of our good buddy, Blake MacGyver. It's actually his birthday today while we're taping this on a Friday afternoon. This is Blake MacGyver, Start to Believe. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Staring down that long and winding road I felt like I could never start again Flipping through the pages of my broken life Just remembering when Before I was yours I just stumbled through my feeble lies But now you bring me all I could ask for you Give me all that I need And baby, you've gathered the pieces Maybe I'll start to believe That mountain top I said How do we begin to climb Wishing I could Speed right through to all the joy Just manipulate time But now I am yours So I'll stop wandering through Those feeble lies Cause now you bring me All I could ask for
my doubts close in, I know that you'll be there. I won't despair, my dream come true. Who knew? Baby, it's you. Ammo, I falter, I lose control. Your soul pulls me through. Baby, it's you. You know just what to do. You bring me all I could ask for. I guess I'll start. I guess I'll start. I guess I'll start to believe. I guess I'll start. I guess I'll start. I guess I'll start. I guess I'll start to believe. I guess I'll start to guys we are back that was our good buddy blake mciver and a great interview thank you very much mr rob gutro i had a pleasure speaking with you please check out his books they are fantastic reads guys i hope you had a good evening and enjoyed these two great interviews um lonnie anderson was such a treat terry ray always a pleasure to talk to and rob definitely some great interesting things Follow me on social media, guys, uh, and Twitter and Instagram. It's at Left of Straight, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R, and the number eight. On Facebook, it's the Left of Straight Show, and you, I, my uh, personal page is open to the public. It's Scott Fullerton, so send me a friend request over there. Guys, in the coming weeks, got some great, ep- great uh, guests coming on. We have Ryan Carnes from General Hospital and the Eating Out movies coming back on. Archer Love, an amazing... Uh, Guy full of positivity with some great products we're going to talk about. Michael Verratti, an amazing writer and director. Zach Bridges, who is just recently on The Voice. Um, Singer Eris. Adam Rothenberg, who does Call Me Adam in New York, all about Broadway, which I love, you know. And a great uh, Stephanie Schroeder, who has a fantastic book uh, for LGBT mental health called Head Case that she helped edit. So, Lots of good stuff coming up. Thanks for being part of the show. We'll be back uh, live next Monday and Tuesday. Usually pre-taped interviews. We'll sneak a couple live interviews in. But I will always have a live opening and closing for you. I hope you have a great rest of the week. We are into April tomorrow, but another 30 days of quarantine here in Northeast Ohio. Um, Keep your head up. Keep safe. Keep healthy. And we will talk to you soon, okay? Bye-bye.